Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, motivational speaker, full-time psychology student, mama four, and military spouse. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and real stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, today I'm here with Janet. Janet has been in corporate, the corporate world for over 30 years. She lived overseas for several years. Janet is a highly accomplished equestrian. For anybody that doesn't know, that has to do with horses. <laughs> um, I had a horse growing up. That's partially why I know that. She, she's a mother, grandmother, and wife. From the outside, she looked like a class act. On the inside, Janet was harboring resentment, anger, anxiety, and fear. She had not talked to her father by choice for 13 years. His 80th birthday was approaching and everyone was going, how could she do this? How could she not do this? 2017 was the personal growth year that changed Janet's life. So I'd love, first off, Janet, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Um, Oh, it's totally my pleasure. I'm so excited to be here. And secondly, I wanted to have you take us back to why you stopped talking to your dad in the first place. Yeah, so the, the why was accumulation of things. It wasn't necessarily one thing. It was a series of events that happened, a series of circumstances um, that occurred. And then there was just like this moment that was the final strong. It's like, that's it. I'm done. I don't have the emotional, I don't have the emotions available for you anymore. I can't let you continue to hurt me. So I just stopped communicating and he um, probably had no idea what he had done or why. You know, I'm an, I'm a product of um, an adult divorce. So I was an adult when my parents divorced and through that, there's a lot of adult pain that goes along with that. Cause as an adult, you look at it a lot differently. And so there were things that went on in the marriage that I found out as an adult and things that happened. And then through a series of things and events that, and circumstances that happened between my dad and I. Um, and I think that probably for the listeners, it's not as important to know the why. And here's why I think that, Megan, because sometimes we get into comparing each other's pain. And of course, no, I can't go down the forgiveness road because my pain's different than her pain. So I'm still going to hang on to my pain. And the story that I want to convey to the to your audience and to your listeners is that your pain is your pain and you're the one feeling it, that other person, whatever the circumstances, is not feeling your pain. And that is why I think this story is so important for your listeners to understand that the forgiveness journey is for your benefit. It's your gift that you give to yourself. has very little to do with that other person or the circumstances involved. I hope that came across good. Yeah, it was great. So I always tell people that forgiveness is about unloading. So imagine having a backpack that is full of rocks 
and it's about taking those rocks out of the backpack. So my parents, I wasn't an adult when my parents divorced, but I was 13. So it was a very painful um, experience on my behalf because my parents had been married so long. I was one of the few people I knew whose parents were still married. And then all of a sudden they divorced and it was really nasty and they were throwing stuff. I knew more about who did what with whom and who did this and that and the other thing at 13 than I should have known. It was not a conversation that I should have known at 13 years old, but I did. And so I held on to a lot of resentment for my parents divorcing uh, a lot towards my mom and I still am working on... Um, on that resentment towards her. I for, I, if it makes sense, I, there, I have forgiven her to a point, um, mm -hmm. but there's still stuff to work on uh, because more, not because they divorced, but more because uh, right before they divorced, my mom um, and dad had decided we were gonna move. And my mom told us we had to sell almost all of our stuff. And so I sold my favorite Montreal Canadiens jacket. We sold our Nintendo. Looking back, my sister and I are like, why do we have to sell all this stuff? Like, it makes no sense. And so I'm not resentful towards her about the divorce per se, but about the things that went before the divorce. Um, because I was like, if you are going to leave my father, why would you make us sell all of our stuff? You know what I mean? Like, that yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense. And it was literally like maybe a month or two before she left my dad. So that's the yeah. sort of thing I resent. Uh, but that's just my own personal thing that I'm working through as well. But um, the divorce aspect I've forgiven her and him for, they're both equally, uh, they're both equally guilty in why it dissolved. Uh, but that portion I'm still working on because I'm like, it, it yeah. was my stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it, that's a pain memory. And so what I do as a life coach and i actually started my journey not even to find a road to forgiveness that was like the last thing on my mind i was actually it might be important for your listeners to even know how i got to the the, the forgiveness part anyway but i was actually on a journey to figure out how to end cravings and urges i was in my i was in my mid-50s and had been at my ideal weight for 26 years, but yet it felt like a white knuckle ride the whole time. And I felt like I was just doing it with willpower and discipline. There had to be a better way. So I was actually on that journey when I stumbled onto a podcast series that um, it's the Life Coach School in Brooke Castillo. And she had a whole series on weight loss and, and sugar uh, and cravings and urges and no sugar, no flour. And I'm like, holy crap, this girl is speaking my language. I think I can get my head around this. She was teaching everything from the perspective of mindset. And so after I got through that and I started applying all of those lessons to my life in the area of cravings and urges and weight control, I went back and started listening to all of her podcasts because it, there was so much um, talk about neuroplasty and rewiring your brain and, and you aren't hardwired by the age of that. That's the old style of, of thinking of psychology. And, and now there's a new... There's new psychology, there's positive psychology. And so those are all the things that really interested me. And then I started binge listening to all of her podcasts. Very much like I binge listened yours too, by the way. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So you actually went to Alabama with me. You don't know it. We're BFFs. We know, I know all the things. So yeah, it's so fun. But I binge, but I skipped over the one about forgiveness. And and I just felt like I, I was like, well, I'm going to find one that I disagree with her about. And right. then I'll go listen to it. Because I'm like, 
if she's right, then I know I have work to do and I'm not, I'm not ready and willing. But if she's wrong, let me find one I, that she's wrong about and then I'll come back. Well, I never did. I got through all of them. I'm like, I'm really, I'm really suspicious of being so in, in line with everything this woman says and does. I better be ready to do the work when I push play on, that, on this particular podcast. And so about the same time, you know, on a parallel universe, my sisters and my brothers start planning my dad's 80th birthday. And I'm in this text message, um, group text message conversation. They're all talking about what they want to do and planning. And it's going to be a surprise. And we're all going to wear flannel. And, and at one point, I chimed in. I had not said anything up to this point. I chimed in and said, look, guys, I don't think I can make it. I just don't think I can do it. And not one of them admonished me. It was so amazing. They just had so much compassion and said, a couple of them responded and said, we get it, Janet. We're sorry. We hope things change, but we understand if they don't. Mm -hmm. And you just need to do what you need to do to take care of yourself. And they were so gracious about it. And then at the same time, I'm thinking here, I'm this evolved woman. I'm this corporate woman. I've got all my, I've got my act together. I'm a class act. If you, if someone were to describe me to, or someone were to describe me, that is how they would describe me. Just someone that has their act together, but I didn't have it together in this space. And when I work with um, people on creating a life of balance and abundance, this space is very important. There's a huge part of attracting and inviting and creating abundance in your life that has to do with releasing your pain memories and, for, and bringing to surface those pain memories and then getting through the forgiveness process with your pain memories. And here I hadn't even done it for myself. So that's, I, you know, I didn't want to miss the opportunity to spend this time with my sisters and my brother and my nieces and my nephews. So that's what made me push play in the end. I still wasn't necessarily on the journey to reconcile with my dad and, or had this great relationship with my dad or anything like that. It was, I need to get to a space. I want to get to a space that I could show up and it's going to be okay. And I think that's important for your, your listeners to understand that not everybody is ready to be in a space of forgiveness and how you know that you're in a space and you're ready to do this is when you decide that you're tired of carrying around the resentment and the anger and the humiliation and the pain and the shame and the guilt and all the things. Cause you're right, Megan, you, you said it so um, eloquently in the beginning, it's a backpack that we're carrying around and it's all full of negative emotions. And we don't even realize how heavy it is until we stop carrying it. Right. And I remember I, I pushed play and I could only listen to it for like two minutes at a time because I was just being washed over with this. Oh my gosh, I totally misunderstood what forgiveness was. Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to have to have a conversation. I thought I was going to have to get an apology. I thought I was going to have to let the man back into my life. I thought all of these things and none of those things were true. I thought that it was a gift I was giving this person before maybe he passed along. Mm -hmm. None of that was true. And I listened for a couple minutes and then I cried. I listened for a couple more minutes and then I cried. And once I got through it, and the longer I was listening, I just felt like this weight 
just being shed because I no longer was feeling the pain and the resentment and the humiliation and the rejection and all of the things that I had been feeling for 13 years. And to me, that was just, that was a miracle because there was no way I was the kind of person, if you and I had had a conversation about forgiveness, I would have said, hang on to that girl, hang on to that girl, because that's what keeps you strong. That's what stands you up. That's what makes you who you are. You know, I would have been coaching you to hang in there, hang strong with it. You know, you don't have to take that crap from anybody and that kind of, you know, I, I just totally, um, my heart just became very, very soft and just full. I just felt in that moment, very wholehearted after listening. Yeah. My, um, so I don't talk to either one of my parents and I love that you said for good, cause I think it's important people take this away. Forgiveness doesn't mean you have to let them back into your life. And for me, mm-hmm. um, my parents have bad behaviors, toxic behaviors that they continue to do over and over and over again. I can forgive them all I want, but that's not going to stop their toxic behaviors. And so I can't have a relationship with either one of them because it's up to me even no, I've worked on forgiveness with them around them total. And I still have some work to do, but I've done a lot of work on that is I don't have to continue to let them do those things to me over and over again. I don't have to keep forgiving them over and over and over again. Cause I keep letting them do those things to me. I can be like, no, we can't have a relationship because you know, you are not being the person that I need to have in my life. Um, and my siblings have been very understanding of that as well, because one thing people don't realize is you could be brought up in the same household, like my sister and I are, or were, um, by the same parents and have two different experiences. Like your mm-hmm. siblings had a completely different experience than mm-hmm. you did, even though those are your siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their pain memories are their pain memories. And here's the, here's the thing that I got to. I really got to the point that I understood that, um, and the concepts I teach and the tools that I teach are that your circumstances are neutral. And then it's your thoughts about your circumstances that make them positive, negative, good or bad. And then that is what creates your emotions, your feelings that becomes a fuel for your actions. And then that's how we create, create our outcomes and our results. So the feeling of rejection and humiliation and shame and guilt and all of those things were coming from thoughts that I had around the circumstance and the thoughts are sentences mm-hmm. that we we play in our head over and over and over again and they become the story that we tell ourselves about the event and about the circumstance and some of them are true some of them have truth and then some of them are just our interpretation <laughs> yeah. of the truth and so so when but when you get to the point that you're just done being the one carrying the much because here's the thing Here's what I think is so fascinating. I was thinking that because I was feeling this, that he also was too. And right. I was like willing to bear this pain and bear this, this, um, all of these emotions because I felt like it, well, no, it's like drinking the poison and expecting them to die. They only have an interpretation of our behavior, mm-hmm. but other people don't feel our emotions. We are the ones that are suffering with our own emotion, hanging on to that baggage and we're doing that by the thoughts that we're thinking about the events and the circumstances. And here's what I learned through this process. Your thoughts can actually 
protect your emotions. Your, the thoughts that you create about the circumstance can actually, because they create your emotion, so they actually can be the protector of your emotions. So your T's protect your emotions from your C's, from your circumstances. And this is how we know this. People who are in prisoner of war camps, John McCain, our, our, our hero that we lost not too long ago, when he was in a prisoner of war camp, he did not let the circumstances of his surroundings um, create thoughts that took him down an emotional negative road, a negative road emotionally. He was able to use his thoughts to man and manage his mind so that he could hold space for those guards, hold space for those people who were torturing him and hurting him and still come out, still show up as the human he wanted to be and get out of that camp and show up as the human that he wanted to be and not let his circumstances have power over his life. In fact, his circumstances gave power. He you, you was able to use it in a way that the circumstances actually created power in his life for him by the way he managed his mind. And I think that's important for your listeners to know that your thoughts are protecting you emotionally and they can when we allow them when we sit down and choose the thoughts that we want to think about this circumstance and not let the circumstance become who we are and take on ownership of that persona we start making the circumstance become who we are and that's what's painful but it's not who we are at all so what were your thoughts around now? You know, you said earlier, you don't want to go into what happened, but what were the thoughts that you were thinking that, and how did you work through those in order to be able to go to the birthday party? Sure. So one of the things that's real important to do when you get to the point that you're like, yes, okay. The answer is yes. I want to not be angry and resentful anymore. And so that's the very, that's the very first step. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Do you want this? And if the answer is yes, then you have to ask yourself, why am I feeling resentful and angry and shame? And why am I feeling all of these feelings to begin with? And really get to what are the thoughts that are creating this emotion? Because I thought that it was the circumstance. I thought it was what he said or what he did. But what it was, was what I was thinking about what he said or what he did and what I was making that mean. So I was making that mean that he didn't love me, that he didn't care about me, that he was rejecting me and that I wasn't worthy and that he really didn't, um, didn't want me in his life, didn't want my daughter in his life, didn't care about my family, didn't think enough of me to put himself out. And so I made it mean a lot of things that were just interpretations of what happened. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what I want um, people to think about is just because somebody did something that hurt you, and like you said, it's your thoughts around what happened that creates Mm -hmm. that hurt and pain doesn't mean they don't love you. They could be loving you in their own way. Now, I don't know your dad and I don't know the circumstances. Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to make assumptions about him. Um, But we could use my dad or my mom as an example. My mom, we'll go with my mom because I I know that woman loves me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But because she, I always say hurt people hurt people because she has been through her own shit and has not worked through it. Then she continues to, um, to, 
with the per perpetuate. Yes, I got the word. Um, the cycle <laughs> of hurt um, because she can't work through her own hurt. She takes it out on me. Um, so I know that she loves me deep down inside or not even deep down inside. My mom loves me, but she right. doesn't know how to show that love to me in a positive manner. So she continues to hurt. And of course, each time she hurts, I have to work through my own forgiveness around that hurt. So I put a stop to the hurt. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I don't have to keep doing the work because it's exhausting <laughs> to keep doing mm -hmm. the work. Um, but that's what I really want people to take away from what you just said. And yes, there's more to take away from what you just said. But the fact that you said that didn't mean he didn't love me is mm -hmm. because people may do things where we think they don't love us, but maybe that is their way like mm -hmm. of showing us and they don't realize what their actions are doing to us as individuals. Right. And their emotions are for them to feel. I don't feel his love as an emotion in my body. My right. love, my emotion is what I feel. And so it goes positive and negative. So the pain that you feel, they're not feeling. The resentment that you're feeling, they're not feeling. They're interpreting your behavior and feeling their own feelings. So it's all about how do you want to feel? And listen, there wasn't anything about, I didn't have any, you know, designs that we were going to fall into each other's arms and it would be, it didn't, nothing like that. It, this was about getting to a place that I could go to the birthday party, that I could be with my family and I could show up the way I wanted to start showing up in the world. What I did not realize through all this whole 13 years of not talking to my dad, that it was deeper than that. I had actually isolated and cut myself off um, from a lot of family events just because I didn't want to deal with it. And I, when I started doing the work, that's when I realized and recognized all of the things that I had done that I thought was hurting him wasn't hurting him as much as it was hurting myself and my brother and my sisters and everybody watching my daughter, my husband. And so that was the larger motivation for me was to not miss out on a family event in which we were all going to be together. These things are not going to happen very, you know, very many more times. We're, we're all, we're all military, by the way. <laughs> Both so of you my, understand how getting everybody get together it. is a all, thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> So my my first and second husband, and listen, the only reason why I know this stuff, listeners, is because I've been through this stuff. So yes, I've had two husbands. I'm on my third. And they were both in the military. So my daughter's dad was in the military. He retired from military. My brother is retired Air Force general. My son-in-law is an Air Force major. My um, sisters have been married to people in the military. My Yeah, we're a whole military family. family. So I get it. So we know that we're not going to have many opportunities for us to be in the same place at the time. Didn't want to, didn't want to pass that up. I, I was evolved enough to know that was not going to happen. Doing the work though, and I really recognized that um, this was releasing and getting rid of all of the, all of the negative emotions. You know, it didn't, the conversations didn't happen. I, I didn't have to condone what he did. I didn't have to accept what he did. All I had to do was change the way I felt. And that changed by changing my thoughts about the circumstance and not making his behavior and the circumstance mean anything about me. And once I did that, I can't explain it. It was like a shedding of mm -hmm. and never to take on again as yours. 
it's like stepping out of this skin that was so heavy and so horrible that you don't want to get back in it. And so when, you know, we were planning the surprise birthday party. And so at one point it was time to make the travel arrangements. And I had committed to, by this time I told my sisters, you know what, I'm going, I'm going and it's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. There's not going to be a scene. It's going to be okay. And so they were so excited. My baby sister actually decided to offer to drive up from Texas to Oklahoma to get me and drive the rest of the way to Illinois. So her four kids and they're big kids. They're like the, the, the girls are five, eight, five, nine. The two boys are six, four. And her fiance, my mom actually went, although my mom and dad are divorced, she didn't want to miss That's out nice. on being able. Yeah. And so, and so they got a big uh, escalate or something like that. They didn't have room for me. No way. But they were going to make sure that I was not going to, I think they were going to make sure I was not going to back out. But I think more than anything, they knew that I wasn't, they didn't want me to feel like I had to do this alone and travel alone and all the things. So um, that was nice. And I got to tell my nieces and nephews about forgiveness not in the context of my dad or anything like that. Yeah, because that's, I, that's I your thing. Think that, yeah. That's my thing. But just mm-hmm. in general and, and about a lot, a lot of life coaching ideas that I had at the time. And they were just so, I mean, they were sitting on pins and needles listening to me talk. And one, at one point, my nephew, Christian, very few words this boy says, very few, sweet as can be, but says very... At one point he stopped, he said, Aunt Janet, you are so smart. And it just made me, you know, melt inside because I didn't feel like I had been smart over, you know, not speaking to my dad for 13 years and carrying this weight around for 13 years didn't make me feel smart. But being vulnerable with the kids on that journey, and I had not um, been able to spend very much time with them at all. One of my nieces I had never met here. She's like 14, 15 years old. So it was, it was huge. My forgiving the whole thing, my dad, it affected my nieces and nephews. We got to spend so much time together. They got to know me. They have been inspired by, um, now they know some of the events, but they have been inspired and now they want to go on and be inspirational to other people as well. Um, I got to spend time with my sister and her fiance and my mom that I never would have been able to share those moments with. One sister that I hadn't seen in eight or nine years, we were not on the fringes. It's just when you're in the military and then when you're a mom and a grandma, you know, you, you plan your events to go see your grandkids and your kids and things like that. So, but I remember when she walked into the Airbnb, we'd all met up at the same place and she walked in and she just hugged my neck so hard. It just makes me tear up to think about it. And she just buried her face in my shoulder and she just bawled. And I'm like, oh my God, that's when it really hit me. How hard this has been on all of us. Um, not just me. Mm-hmm. And it's not a burden that I carried. It did have, it did have effects outside of myself. And so I would have missed that moment. Um, so actually seeing my dad, you guys probably want to know, because we didn't have a conversation. We met at, we all decided to surprise him and meet at a pizzeria that night where we all grew up eating. And he just, he, my, one of my sisters lives close. So she offered to pick him up and take him out for pizza. And then we were all there as a family when he walked in and 
the moment that he saw that I was there. I was so proud of him because he could have made a big deal about it. He could have make, taken that moment and made it about us and our reconciliation after 13 have. years. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. It was as if he just folded me back in as if I'd oh. never left. And, and I'll never forget that moment. He, um, in the coaching world, we talk about holding space for people and saving space for people. He, that was a demonstration of that. He had, de he had been holding space for me to come back whenever that moment was. I'm sorry, listeners. No, don't <laughs> I'm apologize. A breakdown. Yeah, no, but, it's an emotional thing. There's still emotions attached to it. Even you could do all the sure. work in the world. There's still going to be emotions attached to it. And it's, it's all good stuff. It is so much that I would have missed out on. And and then the next day we actually continued to surprise him because he thought that was it. He thought that was his 80th birthday. Yeah. And he thought that um, we were all getting together because my brother was going to get uh, an award at the VFW the next day or something like that. So we surprised him and had, we were all dressed in flannel. We, everything was decorated in flannel. The man is flannel from head to toe all the time. And we surprised him with his 80th birthday party. And, um, we got to meet together as kids, got our pictures all taken together with my mom. And then we had pictures with my dad and we got to create memories that had I not done the work, I would have missed out on that. But so would they mm -hmm. not having their oldest sister would have been very painful for them. And it would have been something that would have been regretful for them. So I did do it for me, but it had long lasting effects for my entire family. Yeah, I had to uh have a conversation so the listeners may know this i have one full sister so we share a mom and a dad and i have two half brothers we share our dad and my dad only claims one of the two of them but they're both his um, he had to pay child support for the one he doesn't claim i'm like you can't that's not it makes no sense that you had a blood test that says 98 percent your child yet you claim it's not your child that's that's not how this works um, but anyways, uh, so I told my brother, the one that, um, the one that I talked to and that my dad claims and has a relationship with my father. And I told my sister, Hey, if you guys have a wedding, a big birthday party, just something you want to do and you want to invite so my in my sister's case, mom or, and, or dad, or in my brother's case, dad, I will come. Don't think that you have to choose between us. I'm like, I will come. I'm an adult. I've done the work. I can be around these people like for a day just to do whatever you would want to do because it's not about me. It's about you. I was like, but I can't have a full relationship with them because they hurt people, hurt people. They're hurting people yeah. who haven't done the work. Um, so I've done this, I've done that. And I feel like because of the work and like you said you did the work that you were able to go to this thing with your dad mm -hmm. i feel like the same in my case is i could go to something with my parents one mm -hmm. both i don't care and be okay because i've done a lot of work in that aspect now they are a whole completely different story my mom probably would like if we went to the same event she would probably like have a fit and like be like well, Megan doesn't talk to me. Don't sit her next to me. Don't even get me near her. And then, you know, like that sort of thing. Right, um, right. Because they haven't done the work. Uh, so right. I think that's amazing that your dad, whether he consciously or unconsciously had done some work, must have done some work to be able to mm -hmm. hold that space for you. 
Yeah, he, um, very strong-minded man, probably many reasons why we got to this point to begin with. Um, but I, you know, I do give him a lot of credit. I think that he did have a lot of self-reflection. I think he did have an opportunity to evolve. And to his credit, he didn't make a big deal out of it. And when we did talk again, um, and it was just a few weeks after after his birthday party, and we're all home and everything's everything's fine. Um, I did call him, and I said, I don't know how how it got this bad, Dad. I don't know how. And he said, it doesn't matter. It's where you are now that matters. And, um, you know, that I thought that was because he still could have been immature about it. He could have made yeah. things a big stink. And, and he could have created his own stories in his mind, too. And so I'm very lucky that it worked out. But to your point, Megan, I mean, what what we have to do sometimes as adults um, when we're in situations like that, where we have someone on the other side who's just not done the work, allow, we can allow them to do and say whatever they want. And then we create a boundary for ourselves that says, if you can act that way, but if you do, I'm going to remove myself. And yeah. then that we, we do that. Not from a place of fear or of whether we can handle it or not, or malice, but it's from a place of love mm-hmm. for them as much as for you, um, and for them so that you can still have opportunities to be around them, but for you too that says, I don't have to keep putting myself in that position. I'll remove myself. And you know ahead of time, if you know, for example, you start cussing at my kid, probably gonna have to leave. You know, right. <laughs> we can't we can't be having that that kind of thing go on. Um, but that's that's a that's a boundary, and boundaries are from a place of love. When they come from a place of love, they work beautifully. Yes, no, exactly. And so I know that if I hadn't set that boundary by not having a relationship with my parents, because I had set boundary after boundary after boundary, and both of them just blow through those boundaries, they don't care. Um, that if I hadn't done that, there would be so much resentment and anger and malice that would build up that I could never mm-hmm. be in the same room with them. And I would just right. be a wreck. I have my own mental health struggles. And I have my own stuff that I have to work on and I can't work on their stuff and my stuff at the same time. And it's my hope. It's my little hope, even if it never happens and it probably won't. And I'm realistic about that, that maybe it will inspire them to go get the help they need. Like that's my little mm-hmm. hope. Now I'm not writing all of my, like everything on that, but it's my little mm-hmm. hope for them that they will, because I, I think somewhere inside of them, there's amazing human beings. They just don't have that opportunity because they're both hurting individuals and they continue to perpetuate that hurt. So it's an unfortunate thing in our situation. Yeah. Yeah. My sister did not experience the same. She doesn't for some reason, because I'm the oldest, well, oldest um because my two brother half brothers are older than me um but i was the oldest growing up i was around all my parents growing up i think because i was the oldest that i got the brunt of the things sure and your thoughts are different than their thoughts so even though my you know i had a sister that's 18 months younger and my brother i think is 18 months younger than her so we were all kind of and then i have a two two younger sisters that were, they were 10 and 12. So they were a little bit on the young, I wouldn't put them in the adult category through this process, but the three of us had, were adults and we had totally different uh, memories of the divorce and what happened. And we have Mm -hmm. different pain memories. Um, The one thing that I, 
that I um, experienced through this is just an enormous amount of abundance in the area of relationship because I discovered the tool, um, the, the uh, forgiveness as a tool, and not so, and not in the way that because sometimes we can say, "Oh, we forgive people," and then we'll be nice when we're around that, but we'll, but we feel, still have like seething emotions behind their back, and right? You still That's talk about it all the time. You still talk about it all the time. Yeah, you didn't let it go. You're still feeling. So here's the 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 um, definition of forgiveness is you literally change the way you feel. Like there's no resentment. There's no rejection. There's no humiliation. There's no pain. And when you can release yourself from the pain memories, and we can have pain memories about parents, about money with parents, about finances, the way we were raised. We have all these pain memories. When we find a, a way to get through those pain memories and find ourselves in a space of forgiveness, we create and invite so much abundance in, in our lives. It's like, I don't know if I can take anymore. <laughs> you know? My husband and I keep pinching ourselves like, can this really get better? And then every day it does. It's just yeah. so incredible. The things that have, um, that the things that have, happened and been created and the things that we've been able to accomplish and achieve getting through this big, I didn't realize what a blocker to abundance. It was having this huge amount of negativity on my back. Yeah. And so did you find that your, and I found this in my forgiveness work, which I mean, it's still a process for me, but um, have you found that your other relationships have improved because you have mm -hmm. learned this new tool? Sure. And just so much more compassion because I think the one thing that we forget is that even if someone else's best effort isn't as good as we think they can do or the best that can be done, it literally may be the very best they can do. And and I think that's something to keep in mind. Even if we think I have a sister, even if I think that she should be doing better or could be doing better, I can wish that all I want, but she literally could be doing the very best she can. So to sit back and judge her and be resentful for some of the things that I think she should be doing better, that's just, uh, that's just a waste of energy, really. Right. So getting through this forgiveness, uh, getting through this forgiveness journey has made it easier to, um, to, allow and create more forgiveness in my life. And here's the thing that I really had to focus on is forgiving myself mm. because I had a lot of guilt and a lot of shame associated with my behavior, the way I showed up in this circumstance. And so really putting those same tools to work on myself and saying, you know what, you did the best you could too, kid. Right. You did the best you could. It, you can do better now because you know better now. You know more. You're evolved now. So now you can do better. But at the time, even though I thought I was hot, even though I thought I was, you know, this, um, this evolved corporate career woman, you know, I was still a little hurt girl inside. Yeah. Well, not only that, but um, when it comes to holding on those memories and everything like that is it's different. Like you said, it's different for everybody. And I think, mm -hmm. I think, I think we overlook that, right. We just mm -hmm. assume that everybody feels the same way we do about the situation, but we forget that our beliefs and our perspectives and our experiences, they taint how we perceive the world. So they, mm -hmm. it, it taints 
how I how I'm taking this interview is going to be different than how Janet's taking this interview because we're two yeah. different people, um, and we've experienced the world in two different ways. Now it might be very similar. It could be mm -hmm. very similar. And I always say that there's there's three things. Um, there is your perspective or your perspective, another person's perspective, and the truth. The truth lies yeah. somewhere in between because like I said, our beliefs are in our perspectives and our experiences taint everything that we do. Yeah. So I've actually used this in other areas and, and wanting to create even more abundance in the area of relationships. You know, I had this pain memory that kept coming up. Like when I was a little kid, when I was a little girl, I think fourth, fourth or fifth grade. And you know how girls can be clicky. And I had yeah. group of three, dangerous number, first of all. But my two friends were playing on the swing set. And I ran to the swing set. And right when I got there, they ran to the jungle gym. And right when I got to the jungle gym, they ran somewhere else. By, the th by that time, I'm like, they don't want me. They don't want right. me playing with them. So the you know humiliation, rejection. So even as an adult, and I don't know if you have ever experienced this, but I can have that pain memory ju jump in my mind. Like this is when yeah. um, Linda and Debbie were run away from me on the playground. You know, you just walk by the water cooler and they don't invite you in for a glass yes. of milk. And then you're like, oh my God, they're running away from me. So it's those kind of pain memories that we don't, we think they're really benign. We think they happened in our, our childhood and that we really shouldn't have that. They shouldn't have that much power over us as adults, but they do. So yeah, if you just yeah. spend a little bit of time going on a forgiveness journey there. And, and here's how you do it. I forgive you. I forgive you, Linda and Debbie. And thank you to the universe for the lesson that I learned. And I'm sorry to my own soul for carrying this pain around for so long. And I love you. Not Linda and Debbie for hurting me, but I love you, Janet, for the human that you are. When you're able to do that, I immediately saw those two girls as two girls that must have been in pain themselves. Because like you said, hurt people, hurt people. They were hurting me because they were hurting. And so now when that memory comes up, I don't feel rejection or pain. I feel compassion for what maybe they went through on that day when they were in so much pain that they hurt their friend. And yeah. so it changes the perspective of every, it changes the story in your head. It really, really does. Exactly. And what I want to say about the, when you keep talking and bringing up forgiving yourself is there's never a point in time where you can't apologize for your behavior. So if you feel like you're ashamed of your behavior and how you acted towards somebody else, you can always mm -hmm. apologize. I just did this yesterday around a uh, pain memory I had about some shame. And I was like, I was a really shitty human being for this behavior and so I can only get so far in the forgiveness journey without apologizing to the person that I did it to. And I apologize to her. And you know what? Her story was completely different. She didn't even see an issue. Isn't that something? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was beating myself up for years about this, but I saw her yesterday and was able to say, I'm really sorry. That was really poor behavior on my behalf. Um, I'm not that person anymore. And I, I promise to be more considerate going forward. And she was like, well, I, I, I wouldn't have allowed it to happen if I had a problem with it. And I was just like, well, that's awesome. But it was bad <laughs> behavior. <laughs> but what didn't it make you feel good and evolved and like you grew as a person? You Every showed time up. I apologize. I feel like yeah. I'm an adult. Look at that. Yeah. I can apologize. And I'll apologize to my kids um, if I do yeah. something wrong, everything. So, Janet, we are getting low on time. To wrap okay. it all up, what would you like to leave the Inspired Women audience with? 
that you may not be at the point in your journey that you're ready to um, to forgive. But when you are, how you will know is when you are done carrying around the heavy weight of the negative emotions, and you're done carrying the pain that goes along with the circumstance. That's how you know that you are ready. Yes. And you're ready to stop playing the victim of your story. Yeah. Yeah. The victim of your story. That's huge. That's so easy to get into the playing the victim of your story. Oh yeah. Yeah. Be the poor. And you're ready to be the victor. You become the victor of your story. And everybody's, uh, you, we talked about a few forgiveness journeys today and everybody's forgiveness journey is, um, is different. Yes, definitely. And, and I like how you said, be the victor of your story instead of the victim. Mm -hmm. Well, Janet, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. I've loved every minute of, I love your work. I think you're amazing. Well, yeah. thank you. I received that. <laughs> I'm working on that. That's what's something I've always struggled with is, is receiving, you know, compliments. Um, so I've gotten better and better, better about it. And so I just like, thank you. Instead of being like, oh, no, no, you know, it's not really not that good. You know, um, yeah. so maybe somebody listening, they could try that too. You could say, say thank you or say thank you. I received that um, when you get a compliment and actually, it actually does help. It does help. It really is giving, you gave a gift to me when you received it so well. Yep. Yeah. I always yep. say that to people when you're, so when, if somebody wants to pay for your dinner and you're like, no, no, I, I'll get it. No, give me half the check. And you're fighting with them about it. Mm-hmm. One of the few things my mom taught me, um, and she taught me a lot. One of the few really positive things I remember her teaching me is Megan, if you deny somebody's gift to you, and if somebody wants to pay for your dinner, it's a gift to you, then you're telling them that their gift isn't worthy. She's like, mm-hmm. so just accept that gift. And so that's what I do. Somebody wants to pay for my dinner. Thank you. I received that. I appreciate that. So again, that is so awesome. Janet, thank you so much for coming on today. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.